0: morning it's so great to see you here today my name is Michael and I serve with our creative team
1: and my name is Hannah and I serve with our student life team here at a West Chicago campus Michael happy Father's Day
0: thank you thank you very much I'm celebrating with my three kids today Timothy Madeline and Henry
1: and they really are like the cutest kids I'm not even kidding so if you've seen them like running around the church precious
0: yeah they I mean, I'm biased. but you yeah, are. They you breaking. are. But it's
1: okay. It's okay. I will affirm your bias.
0: I'm really excited. We're going to be hosting their friends at our house this week for a neighborhood Bible club. No
1: way. I bet they're pumped.
0: Yeah. I, I think it's going to be really cool. When we bought our house about two years ago, mm-hmm. I remember seeing the backyard and just imagining a backyard Bible club. So. Uh, it's gonna be really good to get to know our neighbors a little bit better, um, have all those kids over at our house. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited for it.
1: Yeah, Neighborhood Bible Clubs really is the best way to get to know your neighbors, right? And this year, friends, it is so simple to sign up. All you have to do is go get more details at our website, wheatandbible.org slash volunteer. You can sign up for your club and then pick up all of your supplies from the Kids Life desk. And that's it, I yeah. mean, it's so simple this year.
0: Yeah, I, I. you can ask me next week. I'll let you know how simple it was. <laughs> Um, right now, we are about a quarter of the way through an all-church Bible reading plan. Now, if you've missed a few weeks or you're hearing about it today for the first time, here's what it is. As a church, we're reading through the whole Bible across two years. There's about two chapters per day. And if you want to join in, you can get the plan or find the companion daily devotionals at wheatonbible.org slash resources.
1: Well, friends, that's all for today. Thank you so much for spending part of your weekend with us. And we hope you have an amazing
0: week. Happy Father's Day. Bye.
2: And church, good morning. Welcome to worship. I ask you to stand with us. Let's worship King Jesus. Lift your voice. There is a king sitting on a higher throne, he rules the world all of history he owns his name is jesus we stand as one as the people of the cross we're marching on for the victory is won our king is jesus yes he is our
3: king is jesus we proclaim is not ourselves but Jesus Christ the king of glory the kingdom's fall he is reigning still he is Jesus Christ the king of
2: the children of the Lord. Our hope is Jesus' oh. What you began, we are sure you will complete. And by your spirit, everything will be set free.
3: In the name of Jesus.
2: Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory forever. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the
3: glory forever. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory forever. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, yours is the glory forever. the king of glory the kingdom's soul, he is reigning still he is jesus christ the
2: of all. There is no one like him. Church, it is good to be the church. It is good to be together. It is good to lift up the name of Jesus. The psalmist says, come magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Amen. Let us lift up the name of Jesus. He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our voices. He is worthy of our affections. He is worthy of all. Lord, we love you. We welcome you as you welcome us into your presence today as a church body. We pray that you minister to our hearts, that you come and pour out your spirit and glory among us today. Thank you for forgiveness and salvation and your grace in this place. We long to see you, Jesus. Come, taste and see. The Lord is good. Let's sing together.
3: God of age to age Though the earth may pass away Your word remains the same Your history can prove There's nothing you can't do You're faithful and true Though the storms may come And the winds may come
4: together I put my faith in him church, he is faithful. He's so good. We can count on him every day. Every day, he never fails. What a good God. What an amazing God we serve. Psalm 147 says, praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise Him as we were made to do. The Lord builds up Jerusalem, He gathers the exiles of Israel, He heals the brokenhearted, He binds up their wounds. He determines the number of stars and calls each of them by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. The Lord sustains the humble, but he casts out the wicked. He casts them to the ground. Sing to the Lord with grateful praise. Make music to God on the harp. He covers the sky with clouds. He supplies the earth with rain. He makes the grass grow on the hills. He provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor his delight in the legs of the warrior, but the Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. thank you, Lord. What a mighty God.
0: See, I
5: think that there's at least two reasons really clear in the scripture. Why is it that we need to worship? One, because the Lord deserves all of our worship. And two, because our heart needs to remember the God we worship. See, if you were singing with us now, You were saying to the Lord that that your soul needs to remember who is great and who is not. Who is powerful and who is not. Who is eternal and who is not. Who is the Father and who is not. Who is gracious and who is not. Who is omnipotent and who is not. Who is God and who is not. Our soul needs to remember who God is, and that's why we need to worship. God again in glory. See, when I think about all these commandments in the Bible, everything that the Lord asks us to do, it is never, never because the Lord needs anything from us. It's always for our good. It's always for our good and His glory. So singing, for example, is a spiritual discipline, and I hope you know that. There's another spiritual discipline that we also need, and it's the spiritual spiritual discipline of giving. You know why? Because when we give, we also remember that He is God, that He is the provider, that He is the one that sustains us, that everything that we have comes from Him, and that He calls us to give back just a little bit of everything that He gives us. So first of all, I wanna thank all of you that are part of our church, that are super committed financially to the church. I wanna give glory to God and I wanna thank you for your support. But maybe, maybe there's people here that are still not worshiping the Lord through offering and I wanna invite you to join us. You know why? Because the church matters, because what the church does matters, that's because God matters, amen? So if you are not a regular giver to the church, we're going to put these different ways to give on the screen for you. Uh, Please support the church with this. At the end of the day, remember, this is not about us, but it's about Him. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful that we get to worship You. What a blessing it is that we get to open our, our mouths, Lord, and use our hands. And even sometimes move our bodies a little bit to worship You because you deserve it all. You are worth of all adoration, Lord. It is impossible for us to recognize who you are and not worship you. We thank you, Lord, because we are are shaped by how we worship you. And I pray, Lord, that you continue to make up WBC, a Witten Bible Church, and Tri Village, and Iglesia de Pueblo, congregations that worship in spirit and in truth. But I also pray, Lord, that you continue to make of us people that worship through generosity. Because you are worthy, because the church is worthy, because the mission is worthy. Lord, I come before you, bring in this congregation, this beautiful congregation, asking, Lord, if there's anybody here or online worshiping with us today that come with heavy hearts, not knowing what to do, I pray, Lord, that you provide rest, that your spirit may move today in such a way that they find rest in you. And we pray for all of this in the name of Jesus. And the church says, you may take a seat. I wanna show you this video that I think you're gonna enjoy a lot.
1: Um, I think he's um, kind. He likes to help others and he um, he understands what you're saying and if he doesn't get it, he'll like ask questions and understand more about you.
4: He likes reading to me. Um, he's patient even when I make jokes about his Green Bay Packers obsession. Me gusta que él hace hace cosas chistosas. He loves me.
5: He's the best dad. He's the
3: best dad and takes care care of us. He works a lot. He works a lot for our whole family.
4: Um, Me gusta, como mi papá, el amor que tiene por Cristo y como él expresa el evangelio en los diferentes ámbitos de su vida también me gusta mucho que sabe hacer buenas comidas sabe cocinar when he tries to get me when when he when he runs and he and he tries to get me um ¿que me lleva a I love about it when he kisses me and he hugs me sometimes at home At my house we play like this game called Tickle Monster. Sometimes we go to the park and sometimes we see movies. He goes to the park with me. We get to spend time, he makes funny jokes. Well, sometimes he makes some faces that are really funny. My brother, he makes other faces, too, that makes me laugh. But my dad, I think he does the best
3: faces that makes us laugh.
4: Él se viste bien funny, y tenemos una pijama que él se pone que es bien chistosa. Uh,
3: ¿qué hace chistes de mi abuela y mi perro?
1: Lo mismo. Um, the funniest thing about him is that he thinks he's funny, even though we don't think he's funny sometimes.
4: él también es muy gracioso y también muy serio cuando se trata de cosas serias. es muy responsable también y así también quisiera ser
5: yo. And a uh, beautiful. All right, for those of you that are fathers, are great-grandfathers, grandfathers, or spiritual fathers, I want to say, happy Father's Day. And if you have someone like that in your family. All right, so good morning, familia. Good morning. My name is Hannibal Rodriguez, one of the teaching pastors here at church, and today I, I get the privilege... To do something that we haven't done, at least that I remember in a long time, I get to talk about fathers. I, I really don't understand why it's said that uh, we haven't done or we don't do that often, but all I know is that for some reason during this time, a group of us pastors felt and understood that it'll be important that this year, for whatever reason, we actually have a sermon for fathers. Because we want all of us fathers to remember who the Lord made us to be and how important, can you say important, our call is. Now I know there's people here, for the rest of you, that will say, well, why am I here then? You know, might as well take a break and then we already worship. Oh, no, not really. I think that if we're going to talk about fathers, I think that everyone in this room and everyone online needs to hear about what it means to be a father. You know why? Because we all have one. If not, you wouldn't be here. Maybe, maybe today I'm going to give you something for you to learn and something to pray for. Maybe let's say that there's people here that have or had a really good dad. And to you, I want to say, I want to show you today where that goodness comes from. Because that wasn't his idea. That was God's idea. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, um, you are planning to become a father at one point in your life. And um, God willing. And I think that it's important that you understand what it means to be a father before you become a father. Not like I did. Maybe, just maybe, you are here and you're planning to get married one day. And you're planning to get married to a male one day. And that male is going to be the father of your kids. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, it'll be important that if that's your plan, you hear the, what the Bible needs to say so you know exactly what men to look for. So you don't have to guess what the Bible expects of a father. And maybe, just maybe, there's a group of us here, including me, that grew up without a father. And then you would say, well, this day is not something, there's nothing here to celebrate. But I want to remind you that it does your case, the same way that it was my case. Even when your father was absent or is absent, one of the reasons why we celebrate Father's Day is because we have the father of fathers, God everlasting father. So whatever we talk about here today, it's just going to point us back to him, whether we want it or not amen all right you're ready say I'm ready ready. all right before we start how many of you guys are great-grandparents please raise your hand really quick one two three four five how many of you guys are grandparents wow how many of you guys are fathers oh that's good half of the congregation I'm gonna make you feel bad really bad really fast um So can you please stand for the reading of God's uh, word? We're going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. If you're here, can you please say, I'm here. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Verse 4. Fathers, can you say fathers? Do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training. Say training. And instruction. Instruction? Of the Lord. I pray, Lord, that you speak to us this morning, very important subject, not just because we are celebrating it, but because it's in the scripture. By the power of your spirit, please only illuminate uh, our minds and speak into our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may take a seat. All right, today, um, hold on a second, Yair, how long? Two minutes? All right. We have an issue. Don't worry. The Bible is here. Um, today, instead of giving you a different point, I want to give you a statement. And later on, you're going to be able to see it when Yair tells me to. This is a statement that I want you to remember. The father is an imperfect shepherd in need of a perfect father. We good? Awesome. The father is an imperfect shepherd in need of a perfect father. I think that that's exactly what it means to be a father. And what I want to do for the next two hours is to break that down for you. It's Father's Day. And I want to explain piece by piece why is it that I give this definition, at least from my perspective, what it means to be a father. So we have to start with the first thing. What is a father? Now, It is important before we talk about what it means to be a father that we understand all of us what it means to be a parent. So, I also have a definition for you just to hear Um, that a father and a mother, parents, are people placed by God within the context of a family to be the spiritual authority at home to guide, to protect, and to teach their children. Listen up, church, until they become adults. And after they become adults, the parents moved from being a spiritual authority to be spiritual influencers. You guys catch that? If you tweet, man, that's the tweet. Fathers and mothers are people placed by God within the context of the family to be a spiritual authority, to guide, to protect, to teach, and teach their children until they become adults. And once they become adults, the parents move from being a spiritual authority to be spiritual influencers. You know why I say that? Because the authority of a, part, uh, of a parent with their children uh, expires... When the child becomes an adult. How many of you guys say amen? Amen. And after the children become adults, us parents become influencers. You know where I get that from? Well, Paul said it in verse 2. Honor your father and your mother, your father and your mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise. Notice that it doesn't say that children ought to obey their parents. If you're young here, don't get all excited. Just let me explain it really quick. <laughs> the reason why the commandment is to honor your father and your mother and not just to obey your father and your ma- mother is because it has to do a lot with the age in which... You, it, it has to do with your age. So, for example, pay attention here. As a father that I have two daughters, the best way my daughters that are underage, whether they like it or not, they're still underage... They honor my wife and I by listening to us. How many parents say amen? Amen. And by being obedient to us. How many parents say amen? Amen. And because we still pay the bills. (laughs) So if they're not paying the bills and they're still underage, the best way they honor us is by listening to us and being obedient to us. Not 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 negotiating, not having some sort of contract, not 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 obeying if you buy me this. No, no, no. Just listen and obey. That's super that's that was free. That wasn't even that wasn't even part of the notes. What is interesting though is that now that I'm an older man, I'm barely making it into my thirties. That was offensive. The way I honor my mother is completely different. I'm not, I hope you know that if you're an adult, you are not called to obey your parents. Actually, if I still obey my mother, there's something crooked there. I think that my wife would agree with me that if I still obey my mother, I will have issues at home. Let's say that Heidi says to me, Hannibal, we should buy this. And I go, hold on, baby. Let me, let me talk to my mommy. <laughs> right, ladies? Therefore, honoring in the Bible does not mean obeying, but it means that if you're in the proper age, you ought to submit to your parents, if you're younger than an adult. But that once you, once you become an adult, you ought to take into consideration your parents' opinion, that you ought to listen to them, And you ought to have a special place for them in your life. That's what honoring means. What is interesting about this passage, though, is that Paul moves from talking to parents to talking to fathers. And this is exactly what we see in verse 4. You got to ask the question, why is it if both parents are important? If both parents are co at home, if both parents are responsible at home, if both roles for the father and the mother are just as important at home, why is it that Paul talks now to fathers? I think that the explanation is really simple. It's because, the, it's because of the order of creation. For some reason, the Lord chose the Father to be the first among equals at home. Let me say that again, because I know that's countercultural and makes people uncomfortable. But I think that the order of creation in the Bible shows that the Father is the first among equals at home, meaning... That even though both parents have responsibilities at home, and they have the same value and dignity, and both roles are important, the father is called to represent the family, the father is called to lead by example, and the father is called to exercise sacrificial love. Actually, when you look into almost any leadership type in the Bible— you would see that leadership is never given to anybody to boss people around. That's the secular mentality. That's not the Bible mentality. The Bible gives leadership and authority to people. Not to boss people around, but to represent, to live, and to love sacrificially. You know where I get that from? Jesus was the one that taught that. Just listen, Matthew chapter 26, uh, chapter 20, verses 26 to 28. Listen to what he says. Whoever wants to become great, anybody that wants authority and leadership, anybody, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first, leadership authority, must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to be, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life, as a ransom for many. Can you see it? Spiritual authority leadership in any place, including home, is to love, serve, protect, and sacrifice. Happy Father's Day! (laughs) It's not just to say, I am the man! And it's not to say whatever I say goes. If that's your mentality, you are not reading your Bible right. What is interesting, though, here is that Paul is being completely countercultural here. When Paul is writing these two families, he's being extremely countercultural. See, he's writing to a bunch of Christians between in the midst of this uh, Roman world in which they also believed that the head of the family, of the leader of the family, was the father. But they did not believe in the first among equals thing to begin with. And second, the father in that context and at that time was someone that had the right to punish their children, but also had the right to execute his children, and also had the right to sell his his kids as slaves if he wanted to. And Paul comes preaching the gospel and talking about this new community that sees leadership and parenting and fatherhood from a completely different perspective. And he says, the father at home leads the house by loving, serving, protecting, and sacrificing. That's part of what it means to be a father, people. That's part of what it means for that's part of what it means for us to raise boys that will become fathers. You know what? This is this is super interesting. Because I have heard the argument from different people saying, well, it seems like if God chose men because they are because they are morally superior. <laughs> You know that that's nonsense, right? And I hope you know if you are a father, a grandfather, a great-grandfather, that you are not a father because you were morally superior to your wife. I hope you know that. I hope you know that the reason why the Lord is calling men to be fathers in some cases is not because we're special, but because simply he wanted to. Actually, Paul is going to go out of his way to convince us that even though some of us have this call to be fathers, we are still imperfect. How do I know that? Look at the first thing Paul tells fathers in this text in verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. You got to ask the question, why is it that Paul is saying that? Well, let me explain it this way. Have you ever been in a place where you find a sign that says, do not do something? Have you ever seen that? Well, there's a reason for that, you know? So, for example, my family and I just came back from vacation. That's why I look extra crispy right now. Uh, <laughs> we're coming from, back from vacation, and as we're picking up the luggage, I noticed that... Um, you know, at the bottom, bottom floor of the O'Hare, of the, of the, of, of right where you pick up your luggage, there is this uh, belt where the luggage comes and you're supposed to pick it up from there. But there's a sign there that says, do not sit here. And you gotta ask the question, why would they put that sign there? And I think that the answer is simple. Someone at one point we're traveling in United for four or five hours. And they went to get their luggage, and they're still tired of the trip. And for some reason, they thought that the best place to rest would be in this moving belt that carries luggage. <laughs> so the reason why the sign is there is because somebody already messed up by doing the thing that nobody's supposed to do. Have you ever seen a sign that says, do not plug anything here? That's because somebody already plugged something there and got electrocuted. (laughs) I think that Paul is doing the same thing here, you know? I think that Paul is saying to us fathers, do not exasperate your children because there's something inside of the human heart, male human heart that has the tendency to exasperate the children. I know there's kids here and they're probably saying, preach it, pastor. (laughs) Word. But I want to speak to you, fathers. Don't you think that's true? I think it's true for me. I think that there has been times in which I have misused the spiritual authority the Lord has given me. I think that there are many times in which we make requests of our kids that are unreasonable. I think that there are many times in which us as fathers, I'm not excusing the mothers, by the way, but I'm talking to fathers today, in which we use our words not for edification, but with sarcasm and to ridicule our kids. I think that sometimes, instead of loving, serving, protecting, and sacrificing, we're actually sometimes unkind and impatient. Happy Father's Day. (laughs) Why do you think that Paul would put that here? Why do you think that Paul is going to go out of his way to start confronting fathers like that? Well, I think that his motive is good, you know. I think that his motive is that us fathers... Do some sort of self-assessment. So if we need to ask for forgiveness, we ask for forgiveness, and if we need to repent, we repent. Maybe the reason why Paul is putting it there is for all of our kids to remember that there are no perfect fathers, and that they ought to put the expectations the way the Bible puts the expectations. Maybe the reason why he puts that there is for we, so we remember that we're not a done deal, that we are imperfect. But did you know that one of the ways we lead at home, fathers, is not just by loving, serving, protecting, and sacrificing our families well and our kids well, but we also lead by recognizing that we are imperfect. We also lead by telling our kids, I'm sorry, I messed up. We also lead by telling our children, I sin against you and against the Lord. We sin by recognizing that we are still in a process. We, we lead by showing our kids that we are still in a process of sanctification. That also applies to mothers, but we're talking about fathers today. That's part of what, part of what it means to be a Father. Yeah, a father is someone with spiritual authority, but father is also someone that is imperfect. But I think that the text tells us that not only are we are father with spiritual authority and we're still imperfect, but our call is to be shepherds. And I get that because of the second part of verse 4. Look at what it says. The father, and of course this also includes the mother, but I'm going to tell you why I think he's talking to the fathers right now. The father is called... To bring their children up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And in this little sentence right here, it tells you what it means to be a shepherd at home. We are called to do two things at home. To nourish and to discipline. To nourish, in the train, but to nourish by training. That's exactly what the word bring them up means. But also to discipline, and I'll talk about that in a second. Now, I said it already like three times, but I have to say it again. At home, both parents work to raise children up. What I think Paul is doing here, though, is correcting the false idea that the one that is supposed to raise children for the glory of God is the mother. I think that that's what Paul is trying to correct here. I think that what Paul is saying is that the father has the same responsibility as the mother. Actually, in my time as a pastor, I've seen that Christians make this, one of these two mistakes. Some Christians believe that the responsibility of the spiritual health of kids belongs to the mom. Some people believe that the spiritual health of the family of the children belongs to the father. And I think that both things are wrong because we are co-labors. Both of us do the work of nourishing our kids by instructing them. Paul is trying to correct this mentality that the father just goes to work, provides physically, but does not provide spiritually. So the way I've been seeing this for the, for the last 10, 15 years in my life is by seeing myself like if I have Two full time jobs. I come to church and I do my full time job. I go home and I start my second full time job. That's your call if you're a father. You know what's interesting though? The Paul is using here a phrase, a word that literally means to be gentle and tender. To bring them up means also to be gentle and tender. And once again, Paul, he is being countercultural because he is speaking to Christians in the midst of this Roman world that thinks that a man is supposed to be rough and hard and speak loud. But Paul says, you nourish your children by instructing them with gentleness and tenderness. You know what's crazy, though? Paul here uses the same word to describe the relationship between the husband and the wife. So, look, at he says in chapter 5, it's all about marriage, and he says this. After all, no one ever hated their own body by they fed and cared. This is uh, Paul talking to the husband for their body, for their wife, just as Christ Christ does the church. Can you see how amazing the picture is of what it means to be a father? Someone with the spiritual authority to lead home, but to lead by loving, serving, protecting, sacrificing, being gentle, nourishing our children to the best of, of abilities but also the father is called to exercise discipline. And that's what the word instruction means. Now, and this one, I wanna spend a few minutes just thinking about this because the popular culture says that if you really love your kids, let them be. That's what the culture says. If you really love your kids, let them be. Let them be whatever they want. Let them do whatever they want. They'll learn as they go. You don't want to quote-unquote violate their rights. What rights? They're my kids. Living in my house. Taking advantage of what I pay. But more than that, they're my kids given by God so I could nourish them and discipline, discipline them in the Lord. Did you know that A parent that does not know how to discipline cannot be a loving parent. Is it loving to see your kid struggling? Is it loving to see your kid or your daughter getting hurt? Is it loving for you to see the path in which you're going and say, well, just let them be. How is that loving? Doesn't God our Father does the same with us? Doesn't Hebrew says that because he is our father that loves us, he disciplined us? See, we're called to do the same. We are called to use our words to instruct our kids and discipline our kids. But sometimes, people, sometimes words are not enough. This is why the Book of Proverbs talks about discipline. In, in two terms, in using your words, but also sometimes using physical uh, punishment, if you will. But remember that even in the physical punishment is with gentleness and tenderness. You know, the discipline of a father is not this uh, explosion of wrath. That's not discipline. Discipline our kids is not about us saying, I'm so tired. Here you go. Discipline for us as parents is not just reacting. Discipline for us as parents, including fathers, is doing what is best for them. Do you know why? Because everything we do at home represents the Lord. See? I want to try I, I I'm trying to be the best father I can be. But sometimes I forget that my spiritual authority at home is supposed to reflect the Lord. See, I'm trying to be the best father I could be, but sometimes I forget that when I'm nourishing my daughters and when discipline my daughters, I'm doing it because I want to reflect the Lord. See, everything you and I do at home at the end of the day, should reflect the Lord. You know what's the best thing that you could do as a father, if you are a father? That your kids in you, your Savior. The best thing I could do for my kids, for my daughters, is to point them to Jesus. If at the end of my days, my kids are not following Jesus... I didn't do what I was supposed to do. I think that if you're parents, you got to pay attention to that. I think that if you're a dad, you got to pay attention to that. The best thing that I could do for my daughters is to point into him. You know why? I only have my daughters for a fragment of time, but they're going to have Jesus forever. I want to love them as much as I can, but my love is imperfect. Therefore, they need to find the perfect love of Jesus. I could only do so much to protect them, but the one that could truly protect them is Jesus. I could do anything for my daughters, but I don't have the power to save their soul. But Jesus can. Everything we do, as good as it is as fathers, it's only a shadow of the true Father found in Jesus Christ. That's the best thing that we could do. Vacations are good, you know. But Jesus is better. School is good. But Jesus is better. Fun is good, but Jesus is better. Our helping them be us helping them become better people is good. But Jesus is better. If you are a great-grandfather here today, if you are a grandfather here today, if you are a father here today, if you're a spiritual father here today, your call, your great call is to point the next generation to Jesus. You know, when I think about this, what it will be more rewarding to me is that at the end of my days, I have not a diploma under wall, but a Bible in their hands. That's what it means to be a father. So the question for us here today is, man, who can do that? I mean, this is radical, don't you think? This is a huge responsibility, don't you think? How can someone actually leave this out? Well, really simple. If we recognize that we are a father, that we are an imperfect father, that we are called to shepherd, but that we are fathers in need of a perfect father. You know why? Because the only way we can only give to our kids what we already have. Part of the reason why Paul writes the epistles the way he does is because he knows that the only way that we can live in light. Uh, in light of what he's calling us to live, is when we first believe and accept the gospel. This is the reason why every single epistle Paul writes is in the same order. The first chapters are dedicated to Jesus and the gospel. The second part is the implications of the gospel. The first part of the epistles is always the indicatives of the gospel, who Jesus is, what Jesus did, and who you are in him. And the second part of the epistles is how you live that out. What we just read, what we have been talking about comes within the context of the imperatives of the gospel. Because we already have the indicatives of the gospel. This is the reason why at the beginning of all this section that talks about family, Paul says this. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. Who is he talking to? Parents. The reason why you want to love your kids is because you already in Jesus Christ are a loved children by lo- uh, loved children of God. The reason why you want to love your kids is because God already loved you in Jesus Christ. Notice what it says in verse 2. And walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. As a fragrant offering, a sacrifice to God. Do you know why is it that we're supposed to love our kids? Because we were loved first. Do you know why we serve our kids? Because we were served first. Do you know why we sacrifice for our kids? Because we have a Savior that sacrificed first. Do you know why we want to protect our kids? Because God protected us first. From what? From us. On our sin. You want to become the father that you're supposed to become. You can only give him what you already have. So listen, I know that there's parents here that already messed up. Did you know that in Jesus there's always a chance to restu- for restoration? Did you know that it's never too late for you to call your kid and say, I'm sorry. I know there's people here that grew up like me without a father. But to you, I want to say that even if you grow up without a father, you got the father of fathers, the one that gave up his son for you. What better father than that? And for the rest of us that are trying to be good fathers, relax when you mess up, because you already have been forgiven. But remember that what you need to become a better father, you already have. Amen? So happy Father's Day. Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful that we have the father of fathers. That we have a father that makes no mistakes. That we have a father that is perfect. That we have a father that is a forgiving father. That we have a father that is a loving father. That we have a father Lord that is a serving father. That We have a father that is a sacrificial father. That we have a father that, a father that gave it all in order to adopt us. And we thank you for Jesus. Our brother, Lord, that at the cross lost his father so we wouldn't. I pray, Lord, that by the power of your Spirit, you help us become the fathers that we're supposed to become. I pray, Lord, that in the name of Jesus, you help us become the parents that we're supposed to become that we're quick to love, quick to serve, quick to sacrifice, quick to protect. Because at the end of our days, Lord, we just wanna be before you, covered by the blood of Jesus, saying, Lord, I did what I could for your glory and the well-being of my kids. Please make it happen. And we pray for all this in the name of Jesus. And the church says,
3: Amen, church. Let's stand together and respond with this song to a perfect father.
2: Come lay what we have at the foot of the
3: cross today. Are you hurting or broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Come on, so we sing. Oh, come to the altar, the Father arms are open wide forgiveness was brought with the precious blood of jesus christ oh, yeah. leave behind your regrets and mistakes Away, Jesus is calling. Yes, he yeah. Bring sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes, a new life is born. Jesus is calling. Come. On. Oh, come to the altar. Blood As you wait for the crown, tell the world of the treasure you
5: found. Isn't that amazing to know that you have been loved with radical love? Isn't that amazing to know that you are secure because you have an amazing brother? an amazing father. See, the best thing that we can do in Father's Day is to celebrate and remember the father of fathers and the brother of brothers. So before we leave, I want to remind you that as a church, we love to pray for you. So if you have prayer requests, please let us know. Every Tuesday we gather as a family, as a staff family to pray for you and your needs. So please let us know. The second thing that I want to remind you before you leave is you probably, some of you already received on Tuesday an email from us. We're doing a survey for the church. Um, and in this survey, we're just trying to find out where the church is, how, can, how you feel during this season, what can we do for you. Um, if you haven't received that email, you could always go to our website, www.wittenbible.org uh, survey, and you could actually fill the survey, and it, it'll help us a ton. It's during COVID, we, we don't know what the church is and what has happened to the church, so we're actually trying to find out a staff where you are, and what has been your experience, and so on. Can you please do that for us? Now, before we leave, I wanna pray over you the blessing that our Father wants to give us and gave us already in Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face to you and give you peace. And the church says, thanks for coming, we love you. Happy Father's Day. Church, you are sent.